welcome to the Fracture Line, the official weekly news feed from the Chest Wall Injury Society, where we will listen to all the bottom line CWIS updates, shoutouts, fun facts, and weekly banner. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Crisco, and I'm joined always by Dr. Tom White, Dr. Adam Kay, and Sarah Ann Whitbeck. So welcome back to Fracture Line, everybody. Again, just the crew today. Today we wanted to give some some teasers for the summit. I, I think our first topic we were going to tackle was slipped rib syndrome. Um, I think that uh, Dr. K, you had a little bit of uh, talk about your personal practice with slipped rib lately and some of the challenges you're undergoing. You want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. Since last uh, summit, there's been a flurry of slipped rib syndrome cases uh, sent my way. I think sent a lot of different surgeons' ways who have uh, shown an interest in doing this operation. Um, and we've, you know, we've talked to uh, Dr. Adam Hansen, who um, has devised um, a couple of different approaches to the repair now. Uh, and there's a Hansen 1, Hansen 2, and Hansen 3. Uh, Hansen 1, I believe, has gone the wayside, but the Hansen 2 is, is, is very commonly done. And then it's Hansen 3 now. Um, I've had a, again, I see about four to six patients a month now with slip rib syndrome. You know, as you do more of them, you start having patients who you know, need revisions and things of that type. So the Hansen 3, you, uh, you take cartilage and use it as a spacer between the ribs. So the issue is, is that he's been noticing some patients that you do the repair where the initial, the Hansen 2 is you, more or less you cinch the ribs together so that you don't let them move anymore on each other. Uh, but sometimes the, that, that cinching actually puts pressure on the nerve and actually ca- can cause pain. Um, and so the Hansen 3 is you take a piece of cartilage that is not necessary for the overall structure of the, of the chest wall and you use that as a spacer in between the ribs. So it's more or less like you're recreating the uh, costal margin with that spacer in between. And the way he does this, he actually drills holes into it and he puts suture through the, the spacer and almost like, a, almost like a step ladder or like a, a rope ladder um, in between each of the pieces of, of rib and everything else. I've done this now twice. One of them failed horribly, um, but he was a man who was over 35 BMI, and um, I've actually ended up treating him like a intercostal hernia, and I just redid him with with metal plates and and everything else. And um, but the other one is done amazing, and her her situation was exactly that. I was too tight. I used this thing to space it out, and she is um, healing very nicely about a month out from her surgery now. Adam, so it's just issue with the failure patient. I, I think that the you know we, we when you're when you're doing it with the um, with slip rib, it's a cartilage operation more than a bone operation because you're make, trying to put sutures through the cartilage, and I just think the cartilage is not strong enough for him. I think it just everything just got weak. So everything when I went back in there, it was just it was the whole repair, which was nice and tight when I finished the operation, was all just wobbly. What? And I think that was the what problem. What I understand about that operation is the is this free graft. You're 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 basically amputating the tip of the rib. And you've got this piece of cartilage and you're using that as a spacer. But what what happens to it ultimately? Does it scar? Does it dissolve? Does it become? Well, I would say that the, the the guy that failed that I went back in again, it was scarring really crazily already. Only three weeks out from his surgery when I went back in the second, the, 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 that second time. Uh, the, the other part is that they do put a, a bio bridge, a non-absorbable, pl- an absorbable plate on top of it to just secure it in place. The cartilage is alive, right? I mean, it has cells in it. It's got blood in I completely agree with you. I, I'm still very concerned about it. I don't do this. I mean, this is last resort every time. And this, the girl that I did it on, 
She's 18 years old and she was just devastated that she was still in pain. Her parents more or less pushed me to do this third operation on her. Um, I had one done. The first time I did it on her, she did great. And then she fell and <laughs> broke everything. Well, that's not your fault. Right. And then the second time... The second time was bilateral. I did did the same time bilateral, and then the right side was completely fine. She felt great, but the left side was causing her all this pain. So we did the left side with this, with this new approach. I, I still, it's the problem with this operation is is that it's for pain, right? And we've all been taught in in medical yeah. school residency don't operate for pain. You can at least find some anatomic reason to do it. You know, you feel that the, the ribs are moving and stuff. You can say that's the cause of it. Hopefully, this will help you. But it's like still almost every time I do it, I'm like, I hope this is going to work this time. Well, I will say I'm getting quite a few patients that are reaching out, the slip rib patients that are reaching out to the society. And because there's a specification, I guess, I, I'm not on Facebook, so I don't actually know. But I guess there's a specification on the slip rib page that talks about 2.0 yeah. method versus the 3.0. And so when patients call, they'll say, well, I need a physician or I need a surgeon who can do the 3.0. But I, I can't tell you how many people call and ask specifically for the procedure by name and version number. I'd like to just point out that at the in the uh, scientific session uh, Friday morning at the, uh, at the summit at 8 o'clock, scientific session number three, Dr. Hansen will be presenting... Uh, his scientific work, costal margin reconstruction for complex slipping rib syndrome. So that we're gonna we're gonna have an opportunity for him to show us uh, some results. And Dr. Babak Sarani is going to be his discussant. So it should be very entertaining and informative. So I think it's gonna be great. When the Hansen technique fails, I just treat it like an intercostal hernia and I put plates on mm -hmm. things. Because with the plate, I feel like you have a little bit better. You know, when you're tying that tiger wire together and you're opposing you know you bring those ribs together that gets really tight and that that space gets tight with the plate i can uh, i can create you know the construct is together the cartilage is touching it but there is the plate keeps a spacer you know what i mean the plate allows so i i, I have no literature for this that's just what i do when they come back and they don't like what i did but i talk to them about that i say if this doesn't work the next time i'm going to put metal in there well if you don't have any literature but it sounds like a lot of people are doing this maybe that's the next step is to generate more literature well, clearly that's right. We need to have a registry. I So also what I do first is I bring him back and I do an ultrasound in the office and I look at my repair. Because with an ultrasound, you can see all that. You can see if the cartilage, where the cartilage ends and where the next cartilage starts. So you can visualize if your repair fell apart. You don't. I don't need to operate to tell if, if the stitch popped or, what, or whatnot. I've had that happen before too, where someone just went too hard too quick and literally the my stitch just came right out of their cartilage and I can see that on the ultrasound. So you can, you can see your failure in the office and then I say, well, if I'm gonna redo this, I'm probably just gonna put a plate on it. And I've only done it twice. Some people just say, you know what, it's okay. I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna live how I'm gonna live right now. I don't know, I, I don't have a good, I, I, don't, I haven't done this Hanson three. So I, I don't know if that's, if that's the right yeah. way to reconstruct. How often are, do these patients not do great because we don't have the right diagnosis to start with? I always have to say that I'm I'm very I when I have people have come to see me it impressive impressed to me that it's really very focal you can just with one finger I push in one spot and like does this hurt you right now yes that's it I know that's what the problem is but I have a patient right now I just saw um, this past week who um, he he came from from Colorado and he. Um, has um, his right side is hardly painful. I can actually take his 10th rib and move it and still block it back and forth around the entire ninth rib. 
And then on his left side, he has the same exact thing. I did the exact same thing to him. He goes, doesn't hurt at all. And so that I know that that right side is slip rib syndrome. I said, listen, you have costal chondral separation. That's a common thing. I am very selective. I've been getting more of these patients. And I am extraordinarily selective here. So the way I do this, I block a big, big block of time off for them. In the office, I do my own ultrasound and I do an injection to that exact spot that hurts them. I don't talk about surgery. I say, we're going to talk in one week. If this mixture of Kenalog, a little bit of steroid, and Marcane does anything for your pain in this, you know, pay attention. I have them keep a little log of their pain. If it does anything, we'll talk about surgery. If it does nothing, I'm not going to fix this because I just looked at the nerve that was possibly being impinged by 9 and 10 or 9 and 8, and I injected just there. So I don't trust anyone else to do an injection because I know exactly what I, what I want to do. So I inject that spot. If they get better, I... I will offer them a repair. I'm impressed with the with your um, both of you guys methodical approach to these patients. I, it's really impressive. They're a very complicated patient, and I probably say I only offer one in five referrals in actual operation. And when they do fail, because even even when I'm so selective, I've 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 redone twice so far, but but I don't operate on many of them because I don't think they don't. I do the injection and a lot of them, you know, the, the week later they come back over the phone. It's just a phone visit and they say, you know, it really didn't do anything for me. What do you guys do with that patient that comes in and was in a car crash two years ago or a year ago and ever since then they've had rib pain, lower rib pain and tenderness and that it's ruining their life. And you can, all the imaging is negative except maybe on CT scan there might be a little asymmetry to the costal margin suggesting maybe there something happened there. but but it doesn't light up on MRI or PET or whatever. You, don't, you can't see a signal void on any kind of imaging, and yet they're tender in that spot. And they may be tender elsewhere. Do you offer them an exploration and um, an operation to try to help them? Or do you, and they're persistent. You know, they just, they, they've been waiting their whole life to meet you because you're the one that's, you just spend 45 minutes listening to their complaint. They need help, they want help, and they think you're the person that's going to help them. What do you, what do you, how do you send those people away if you're not going to do something? Or would you consider just exploring them, looking for a pathologic fracture or an interchondral joint separation that is, you know, that you can't see on imaging. What, what, what's your threshold for just exploring someone's pain syndrome? You know, I did that. I did that. that. That's when I called you about that one lady. I didn't regret. I didn't regret doing that. What she did, did well. well what did, what I plated her whole do? costal margin because I felt like her issue, everything else being what it was, was just instability, and I felt like she needed support to her huh. laxity. And she felt better. And she felt better. I've, I've offered to explore the area. Um, I lay a lot of crepe beforehand and make sure we're aware that I might be, I might find nothing, I might find something. And I found occasionally where you just have like, again, that instability where I put a small little plate on and that's all they needed and they feel amazing afterwards. Um, so, I, so it really is, they come in for one thing and I've, yeah. I, it, I, it just, definitely, one of the, this operation is really cool because there's no straight answer. There's all these different possibilities always that, that you can end up doing. You can you can do something where you're actually using suture. You can use things where you're actually using plates. Uh, and it really depends on where it's located and um, and what you can find use, using dynamic ultrasound or not. Yeah, I um, think to, that's to a good point out. because the crepe I lay beforehand okay. is is that of this is a stepwise process. I am I'm going to do the simplest first. And because the, the nice thing about this area is it's easy to re-explore. Yeah, there'll be some tissue that you have to blast through on the way in, but it is easy to re-explore. So I tell them, we're gonna try this first. 
if this does not work, we can escalate to a different type of repair with more hardware and more bells and whistles. But I start with less is more. And they're prepared for that road. They're prepared for the re-exploration. That, that's definitely part of my conversation. And I have to say, I think that's very common. I think people aren't bothered by that. No, I, I think it's actually very common in this group of people that they, they realize that this is, you know, this is not a very, um, this is not a, a, a operation that's been around for 10 years. It's been only for a couple of years and we are still trying to figure yeah, out ourselves yeah. what is the best thing for them. So the um, operation is not the I end of the world. I think they're disappointed when they don't do well, but they don't, they don't hold you, they don't hold you accountable, at least for the most part. They don't, it's likely that it's, in my mind, it's likely there's going to be a, a a panel of operations that you can do. There isn't going to be one operation that works for everybody. Yeah, for sure. You guys would agree with that. Starting with the lesser one and moving to more complex, but how do you choose which operation to do on which patient is? Sure will. Will be the challenge. Yeah, absolutely. Frankenplating, rebuilding a costal margin in someone who's not fractured their costal margin or it's not part of a hernia repair is is a that's a relatively novel thing and it reminds me of our frankenplating session coming up at the at the summit, and we have enjoyed a wealth of submissions. We have more than we can actually. That's do, awesome. We know what to do with people doing really cool, innovative things. So that session's really going to be fun. We actually extended the session an extra forty-five minutes and cut out one of the other presentations because there were so many great submissions. We just had a hard time limiting. So. It's, uh, it's going to be really fascinating. We're smart people doing creative things. Are we going to get a chance to discuss things. with each one, or how is that going to, how's the format going to work there? But no, after each one, there's a planned, uh, I mean, people present, and then they there's a discussion and back cool. and forth. I think there will be quite a bit of discussion about some of them, so I'm well, excited. Great. Well, let's move on to some updates. Okay, but there's one other thing that I want to highlight, is that we're having a live PT demonstration by Dr. Carrie Battle. Um, uh, at the summit, which I think will be really fun. And um, she will be, I, I think we may have mentioned this, but she's going to be uh, demonstrating some of her tips of the trade for everybody to, to get excited about and then hopefully learn from and, and take back to their shop. Yeah, so I think that'll be a really cool opportunity to, to see some live in action, hands-on experience. So that'll be a really, really great experience for anyone who missed the JTAX publication that came out in the last mm, week or two. Um, the CWIS Delphi PT um, publication was released. And so this is kind of a nice bookend to that, that process. So be sure to check it out. Okay, for updates... Um, we were originally calling our meeting in Amsterdam in September, CWIS Europe. The title has changed to CWIS International. So if you are confused when you see the, the nomenclature change in the, the bulletin, now you have the deets about why that will be happening. And we had to switch the date, the World Lung Cancer Conference something something in Singapore. Singapore ended up being something that we originally um, had cleared these dates with with our our planning committee, and then and then uh, this additional conference came up as something that a handful of people were going to be attending. And so anyway, we needed to move our dates. So the new dates are September fourth and fifth, which for those doing the calendaring, that is actually Monday of Labor Day and Tuesday, the day after Labor Day. So great opportunity to head on over to Amsterdam 
and spend a long weekend and uh, check out CWIS International. Should be fantastic. It'll be a day and a half meeting and we have a lot of really cool things planned. Um, the, the program committee is excited. We met again today and um, I, I just think it's going to be a really cool opportunity. So if you are interested in, in a long weekend for Labor Day of popping on over to Amsterdam and back, this is, uh, this is a great opportunity. So put it on your calendar. Awesome. Excellent. All right, let's final stitch, guys. Oh, and no updates yet on the grant. You guys, <sighs> April 1st is the day. Keep putting the positive energy in the universe so that the Seawis Garden will grow on the dime of the Seawis, the, the Salt Lake grant. City grant. <laughs> you got it. Big the money beautification grant. grant. All right, I'm doing my final stitch. Everyone, this is Asa. Asa, say hi. Yeah. No. Asa is my 12-year-old son. Say hi. Mm. What's today, Asa? Thursday. It's what? Thursday. It's Thursday. You're right. What else is today? Happy Thursday. Yeah, Happy Thursday. It's also opening yeah. day, right? Opening day for baseball, and Doctor's <laughs> Day, and it happens to be my birthday. But you know that that's like the last and most not, not important part of this. So it is. It's like going on today. It's the turducken of holidays. <laughs> yes, and I'm the turkey. I love it. So, Sarah, Ann, give us your final stitch. What's on your mind? How you feeling? <sighs> You guys, it's opening day. I would be lying if I said there was not a big happy tear glistening down my cheek I can as see they sang the national anthem. I did listen to, to the first two innings of the Yankees game. And I mean, I listened to as they did the national anthem and then they announced the players. And there was just this big cheesy tear <laughs> rolling down my cheek. As I was like, oh, okay, the world is good again. Baseball is back. Eventually the snow is going to melt. Like, it's going to be okay. The world is going to be okay. It's been a tough, sad week of some sad things that have happened. But baseball is coming and the sunshine will be here soon. And that makes me feel like, you know what? Pretty soon the world's <laughs> going to be in order again. I don't know how it's all going to happen, but it starts with baseball. So I will tell you, my MLB radio subscription, it is $19.99 a, a year. I, this is, you know what, this is my plug, is Apple, you know, if you have an Apple iPhone or you have their, their app, for $19.99 a year, you can listen to any MLB game. And they have both the home and the away radio broadcast. So I can, you know, go on a run, start the game, and listen to at least a couple innings as I go. It's cool. it's pretty fantastic. That makes me happy. You got one? Yes, I do. I have new running shoes, and um, I'm pretty up? excited about it. Uh, it's a new model for me. It's always a little risky because I have I have these Solomons that I've used for years, and I like them. But it was they need I needed a new pair, and uh, I think these are going to be great. And uh, this is the time of year when their training starts to step up a little bit the long zone two aerobic workouts are are behind behind us and we're moving forward with starting to get ready start thinking about re uh, races triathlon races and so it's it's a, what'd you it's go a fun with time huh? for me. i enjoy tell it. the so listeners that's what'd what you go about. with solomon aeroglide <laughs> that's very exciting you know i'll <laughs> shout out my wife because she gave me a pretty cool christmas present this year her present to me was a fun date night or trip for us each month and she did all these cards and one per month so we've been doing all these you know last month was ice climbing the month for that i can't remember what we did it was a show somewhere and then this month we're going to new york city for the weekends uh in a couple of weeks so shout out to my wife it's a cool present it's a year long of christmas presents so 
it was uh it's been fun yeah That's very you, cool. you haven't been on enough trips this year i mean <laughs> we, I, I, I say it every week man that guy just he just locked in that practice <laughs> yeah. away every week he never just gets never gets away. some time off <laughs>